0: Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor in play betting. Watch the action, predict the action, and make your best bet with the latest odds on over 1,000 daily events. 18 plus, be NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, my name is Yona and I play football for Chelsea FC and for the Swedish national team. And you are listening to the Blue Day podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. Yes, this is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a Blue Day. I am your host, uh, the man with a face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence, and he is back. He is back from his sabbatical. He's yeah. here. He's Steve Wick. Steve, welcome back to the show. Firstly, yeah. how are you?
1: I'm great, Keith. I'm great. I'm really... Uh... You know, pleased to see how Chelsea have played under under the severe pressure that they're under at the moment. The players oh. before, and they haven't lost a game yet. They've done bloody brilliant, to be honest with you.
0: Talk about pressure. What we're going to do on today's show, because this is uh, still going to be a bit of a unique show this week. We're going to sort of roughly talk about the situation that's going on at Chelsea at the moment. But then we're going to, for the main event of the show, we're going to talk about a certain individual that me and Steve had the pleasure of remembering last Friday. But to start with, Steve, as we'll talk about Chelsea at the moment, it seems to be a few bids coming through in regards to the club. Um, a, a lot of unanswered questions at the moment with certain individuals, whether or not they've got the money to buy Chelsea, what consortiums are actually in for Chelsea and a lot of fans are a little bit worried and a lot of fans have sort of vented their displeasure at certain bids going through by certain American consortiums, for example. Where do you stand on this, Steve, before we sort of go into the weeds on this? Because it's sort of been quite a whirlwind and it's, it's funny, the last time you was actually on the show, none of this was actually in discussions. No. <laughs> no, well,
1: I think whoever comes in has got a hell of a job. Terms of dealing with the Chelsea supporters' expectation level because you know it's lovely for Chelsea to win things and they've certainly won things over you know under you know Roman's uh, reign um, but everything that we do has come into question because of his relationship with Putin and um, in my opinion he's rightly been made to give up the club Um, but from a Chelsea supporters perspective we've had it very good over the past 20 years or whenever it was as a successful football club Um, whoever comes into the club has one hell of a job because of what the Chelsea fans expect you know will these people come in and spend millions of pounds on footballers will they have the same sort of Mindset as Roman. You know, um, You know, I, I was talking, talk, or someone was talking on the radio about the Chicago people uh, <clears throat> that want to buy the club. And they sound horrendous with what they've done at um, Chicago Cubs in terms they've said things and never done it. They, they've been a little bit inconsistent. Um, they said they were going to build a new ground, funny enough, and they didn't do it. You know, so we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. This is a big, big move for Chelsea Football Club. Um, You know, and if you look at Everton, um, you know, he's come in, he's spent millions of pounds and look at them. Look where they are. They're about to move in or start building their new stadium. But it's important that people get it right on the park first. But I think they've got a hell of a an act to follow in terms of successful winning trophies, put it that way.
0: And there's rumours and discussions going on about this Nick Candy individual and there's rumours going around as we speak and I think that it's, it's a bit common knowledge that the Koreans um, part of the consortium are not actually putting up with the money, the the money that uh, Nick Candy allegedly said that the Korean businessmen would put as part of the consortium, they're not actually doing now. And there's another consortium, whether it's going to be one person at the head of it or a group, but this potential Saudi bid, that there's been no confirmation, and I'm not sort of having people on social media say that they can confirm it because there's no... Truth, there's even no truth to it, or they haven't got the actual information to back it up. But there's this talk about this Saudi bid, and I'm a little bit skeptical on this, Steve, because you know, far be it for me to be be horrible to the people over over there, but I'm wary about the intentions of these businessmen in regards to what they, what they've got planned for Chelsea going forward. I know it's a little bit of the same when Roman first turned up, it's like, well, what's this guy going to bring to the table? But I just feel that certain bids, I don't believe they, yes, they might have a lot of money, but is it the right business model? Have they got the right intentions at heart? And I think, go on, Steve, go on, Steve.
1: I think these people take over football clubs with no idea how, how, how it's run. No idea. Um, and you ask yourself, will Roman's people stay or will they go? I imagine they go. So therefore, you've got um, a skeleton crew of people within the club, and you can have people coming into the club with not a clue on how to run a football club. You know, this is what, you know, it, it, you know Saudi Arabia, apart from the money... What experience have they have, had running a football club? And the, people will say, oh, it's like running a business. Actually, it's not. It's not. It's very different. Um, and to be fair, you know, Roman, our reputation as a football club has gone under a bit of criticism about blood money and about, you know, um, we've won trophies on the back of, of, of human rights uh, situations. And I think you're going straight in it again, if you choose, you know, there were 81 people, I think two weekends ago, executed in Saudi Arabia. There's about 42 of them, never even had a trial. You know, there's lots of issues in that country. They don't treat uh, women well. They, they, you know, they, they treat other you know, you know, minorities dreadfully. Mm. Um, and I think you're going from one extreme to another. And what I'd love is a, 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 you know, really a Matthew Harding person, type person, who loves the club with a lot of money. Um, That would be my, you know, he was a great loss to the football club. He was a nice man. And, um, you know, I think he would have run the football club. But having said that, you need a huge financial backing to be successful in, in football. Huge. I don't think a millionaire is wealthy enough to run Chelsea Football Club. You have to be a billionaire and a multi billionaire at that.
0: Well, I've just having a look at sort of the other bids that are in place at the moment for Chelsea and it seems that with the news has been confirmed that The Ren Group, who are looking at all the bids for Chelsea at the moment, they're going to dwindle it down to the last maybe two to three. So hopefully this week we'll see a little bit more clarity of what's going on and who's the front runners to to buy the club. But uh, looking at the situation, you've got – just have a look now. You know, Nick Candy, we've already discussed, a consortium combining um, Chelsea season ticket holders – one of one of which is Sir Martin Broughton, who was um, in the boardrooms at Liverpool some time ago. Lord Coe as well is apparently part of this consortium. And you just have to question, with the money that's on offer, or with the money that Chelsea are, 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 are for sale for, there's no way it's just going to be one person. It's is, it is either going to be a consortium or a, a, a one or two people to be in charge of this. And my feelings on it with Chelsea, you can't have too many cooks make the decisions. And there is going to be a point where are we going to get something? What happened like with Liverpool years ago with George Gillette and Tom Hicks, they bought the football club, but they couldn't get on. They couldn't agree on what to do with the club. And that just went completely tits up for them. Yep. And you look at what's happening with the with other clubs that have been owned by the Americans, such as the Glazer family at Manchester United. What are their intentions? There doesn't seem to be anybody with any football nows at that football club, even in. Oh, yeah. No, in, I. Don't... Even in the playing staff, there doesn't seem to be much intelligence in football. But And you look at someone like Arsenal as well, uh, you know, I'm just a little bit worried that Chelsea, w- with the success that we've had, yes, we're going to have new owners, but I don't want us to go too f- too backwards to the point where we have to compete with the likes of Arsenal and Man United for fourth spot. I don't... Uh, you yeah, football snob, <laughs>
1: You've become a football snob.
0: I, I don't want us to celebrate at the end of the season for us to get fourth. I want us yeah. to celebrate yeah. being yeah. competitive.
1: Some people will say that we've had more celebrations than, you know, than, than uh, a party. Well, we've back. had more
0: parties than the Conservatives over the last few years. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll agree to that. Yeah.
1: Um, listen, um, the American vehicle is running sports clubs at a loft to create a tax advantage and the people of Man United did it for a long time they, they took money out when they bought the club they took a load of money out um, and <clears throat> they changed a little bit because of the pressure you know you had the guy at Aston Villa who ran, ran Aston Villa down you know you've got the boy at Arsenal taking him a long time to actually commit himself properly financially to, the, I think they're the biggest spenders in the summer when they um, Arsenal, yeah. you know. Um, but I don't like that. You know, the whole. If you look at the European League, who were behind it? The Americans. Yeah, their model is they get all the big clubs, no relegation, just everyone going for the championship, which I find absolutely. Our game has been built up on dreams. The Wimbledon dream that happened, you know, the Burnley dream, that, you know, the, you know, it, it's built on dreams, um, and not having relegation sums up to me, you know, the American vehicle, and uh, I don't like it very much. Um, and I think everyone that, that's come into a football club has had their problems, big problems, and it's taken them a long, long time to realise what they've got to do to compete in the English game. It's going to be very interesting. You know, the the one thing I I listen to is their views on the football club. There's one saying, oh, yeah, what we are going to do? We're going to open the... We're going to have a a Chelsea fan on the board. We're going to do this. And it's all fan-orientated, where they're trying to win you over. They're, They're trying to, you know... And when it really happens, we see about all that.
0: The only issue I've got with that, and I, I agree that fans should have a say in certain parts, not every part of the football club or fans should have a vote or a say. Uh, there, there are parts of the business, and we have to see it as football club is a business. If you're a multi-millionaire billionaire, you're not going to have Joe Bloggs in the ballroom with his feet up, asking for a Lucas aid saying yeah i i don't want to do that that's not it and then it doesn't happen that, that that that's not going to happen but i do believe that having fan representation on things such as sort of going forward in regards to the new stadium then this is this is such a key unique situation for chelsea because of the chelsea pitch owners and because of the supporters trust who seemingly and I am I'm, I'm on good terms with the supporters trust. Seemingly, they've they've got their preferred bidder. They they know they've got somebody who they would prefer to buy Chelsea. It's interesting with the new potential owners how they're going to deal with these two entities because they're not just going to be able to brush them away. They're not going to brush them to one side. They're not going to palm them off with money. The CPO is going to be there for a very, very long time. And it's something that obviously Ken Bates created to warn off potential people to try and buy the land surrounding Chelsea Football Club. Hey, and yes, Steve. Would
1: you like to know the real story? Pardon? Do you want to know the real story about the Chelsea pitch owner
0: I can tell you this if you want. Um, by all what, means, if this is a, if this is a exclusive, by all means. Yeah,
1: it's an exclusive, right? What happened was Ken Bates never spent any of his own money. He had someone that ran the club and owned the club, basically, and supplied the money. The person who supplied the money was done for fraud and went to prison. Ken Bates needed, before he sold the club, to pay a tax bill of £2.6 million. And he didn't want to use his own money. So, he was about to sell the club and when Roman, who was trying to buy Tottenham, if you remember.
0: That's right, yep. That's right. Right?
1: Um, Well, what he did, he sold the pitch to the Chelsea pitch owners for £2.6 million, paid off the tax bill, gave the all the documentation for Roman to do his, oh, I can't even say the word, do his research. Um, and he said, you've got 24 hours. Otherwise, I've got four other people that want to buy it. You've got 24 hours. Roman was desperate. He wanted the club. He wanted a club and he, he bought it and never realised he didn't own the pitch. He was never told
0: and I have been told by <laughs> reliable sources that the situation with Chelsea now, because th- last week, the week before, when I was travelling up to Norwich, there was a lot of talk when there was talk of when Roman, it was confirmed that the sanctions did hit Roman. And there was obviously a, a lot of issues that needed to be sorted out. That people were saying, oh, Chelsea are going to fold. Chelsea are going to go in administration. Chelsea are going to lose all this money. Loads of crap. I was told by a reliable source, and I won't name them, but they told me that the situation at Chelsea now was not, sorry, is not as bad as what it was May 2003 before Chelsea beat Liverpool to guarantee Champions League football. Mm-hmm. Chelsea was in a worse state then than what they were now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they
1: was they, they, they mate. He he. No, he... Oh, I'm not going into it. Into <laughs> you promised me you wouldn't. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> you you know my feelings about that man. Um, uh, you know, I, I just feel. <laughs> I just feel that uh, only the, the good die young, and he's going to live to three hundred and thirty-three. But. Um, no, uh, he he didn't. He, he never spent a bean of his own money, and all the things that he did. Uh, let's be fair about it. He was responsible for Hillsborough with those silly cages he put supporters behind. You know, <clears throat> I um, you know, I I I honestly believe to put it in in a nut, you know, to say what it should be is the fact that we need a multi-billionaire to take over this club. And as I understand it, there's three or four people that are multi-billionaires. And that's, in my opinion, you know, the wage bill is colossal. I think, I'm not going to quote, someone quoted the wage bill for Chelsea Football Club a month. You have, to, you have
0: to bear that in mind with the players at you know, the first team squad, the reserves, the academy, the players out on loan as well? It's you know, yes, there. Are, I think you look at sort of the big hitters like Lukaku, who's on big money. Saul, who's on loan, is I think our fourth biggest earner at the moment. And yes, the wage bill is quite high. But then this is what the own, the, the projected new owners will have to think about i don't I can't see us going out and buying somebody for a hundred million i I, I can't we either, even with sort of the, the you know the greatest intentions that they might have, I can't see the new owners doing that, and would that be a bad thing for the club? Absolutely not. Do we have no. to cut our cloth accordingly? Maybe not. I don't think we're going to have a model whereby we've got twenty plus players out on loan anymore. I think that might have to change. But it's not going to be a case where Chelsea are going to end up being fourteenth, fifteenth in the Premier League. It's not going to happen.
1: No, no. Listen, a, a, a lot of uh, a lot of managers, a lot of people that buy football clubs, they feed their own egos. And for all Roman faults of his, his Russian heritage, to put it a little, a little bit nicely, the man doesn't. Um, you know. Uh, He has lost, I think, something that he saw as a vehicle to do certain things, but actually he fell in love with it and he loved it. And we need someone that's going to love Chelsea Football Club, treat it right with with respect um, and be able to carry on the fight. The fight against Liverpool, the fight against Man City. We've worked very, very hard to get where we are, and it would be heartbreaking if we pick the wrong people and it goes and we start to descend. Because Everton, are proving when the guy took over at Everton, everyone said, "Oh, that's that's their mill ticket. They're going to buy players. They're going to compete with Liverpool, Man City, and look where they are now." And that could. Happened to Chelsea. I think we've got a lot stronger squad than they've got and we've got lots of young, fantastic young players. But we're at a time where if we choose the wrong one, disaster can happen. Can happen.
0: Well, you look what happened at Portsmouth all them years ago and you look at the overspending that clubs have done that... They've tried to get to that golden mm. pot of money and success and it just hasn't happened. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen with Chelsea. Of course we don't. But the, the infrastructure is there at the moment and Tuchel and the boys are doing fantastic. And I just feel for the Chelsea fans like up like myself and the others that have to suffer from it. And the people working at the football club have to suffer from it. The people that work it in... In the mega store, people that are working behind the computers with regards to tickets.
1: Yeah, but 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 I think I think that's being sorted out, Keith. I think to be fair, I think the mere fact that the semi final now all the proceeds of the of the uh, all the tickets being sold to Chelsea fans is going to the Ukraine. You know, I think they're sorting it out. I don't think you know. It seemed to me that the only people that were getting the right raw deal with the Chelsea supporters not being able to support their team that they supported and spent a load of money over the past few years not being able to support their team you know that was my I didn't think of the players not getting paid I didn't think the big problem we've got of course is the people that out our contracts at the end of the season you know that, that's an issue um, but I felt for the Chelsea that we've been, not we, but the Chelsea supporters have been, you know, sort of no consideration had been taken towards them at all, you know, with the sanctions. But now it seems to me that they are now sorting things out. They are now beginning to, you know, they're trying to get people at the club as soon as possible. Um, But um, let's see. I think Chelsea's, Fans have got to be open-minded. Um, will they ever see what we've seen over the last twenty years? That's to be, that's to be seen. That's to be,
0: and we'll see because it, success is not permanent with football clubs. You've seen it. You've seen it with you know, some massive clubs, you look at one thing that I can sort of think about from years gone by is you look at what happened at Blackburn where Jack Walker had the money he spent it, Blackburn had that success for one period and then it went tits up if you go European wise you've got the likes of AC Milan in the late 80s who were just phenomenal and then all of a sudden within sort of five or six years or even longer it all went yeah. To pot, and it took them a long, long time for them to become successful again. So we'll why see. Was, but and why was that? Owners. Why
1: were those great clubs put under pressure?
0: Because well, would say bad decision making, and
1: well, I think not only that key. Players' salaries. Yes. Players' yes. salaries have gone through the roof. You know, I've heard that Harlan signing for Man City on £500,000 a week. Can you imagine what it must be like to get a £2 million wage wage slip at the end of a month? And what's happening is the players, the players, yes, they're getting paid. Yes, actually they deserve it because we are the biggest selling sport and the most... uh, you know, fantastic products we've created in in the Premier League. And the TV rights are going to billions and billions and billions. And the players' wages are going up by not two hundred and fifty quid or 50 quid like in those days. They're now going up by... You know, I heard someone say on the radio, on TalkSport Radio, I can't believe it. I never thought, fucker, Carson was only on 30 grand a week. Hmm. How can you use the word only?
0: Yeah, well, I think whatever happens when we look at Chelsea's situation, we're doing really well in the league at the moment. Yes, can we be closer to Liverpool and Man City? Yes, but there's been certain circumstances within that with injuries and loss of form. We're in another FA Cup semi-final, which I'm hoping this this time round we will actually win. And it would be nice to beat Liverpool in the final, you know, have, have our uh, get our own back after the League Cup. Yeah. Shambolics. And then you've got the Champions League as well against Real Madrid, which a lot of people are like, oh, God, Chelsea are going to get battered against Real Madrid. Well, they got battered but, against a mid-table yeah. Barcelona side. And we can beat Real Madrid. Real Madrid yeah. are not the Real Madrid of old.
1: Do you know what, mate? as I said to you last year and I keep, and to me it's the most incredible stat that I, I, I you know, is the fact that we won the champions league with a leading goal score of eight goals.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, that to me is the most incredible statistic that I've ever heard from a top team.
0: And it can't be done again. Oh, excuse me.
1: Well, hey. I, I think, I, listen, I look at Chelsea and, uh, And what Tuchel's instilled in it is grit. You know, I'm sure you put your brown corduroy's on when all of a sudden Lille scored a goal and were 1-0 up. And we all put our brown corduroy's on because we all felt, oh God, that's because when you're 2-0 up and they score a goal, I always say it's the worst league in in the world when you play because you think you've won the game. And all of a sudden, they, they think they've lost the game. But all of a sudden, they think, oh, my God, we haven't. We can, we can get something out of this game. And it, but the way those boys responded was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And there's a grit in that side. And that comes from the manager. You know, the manager, you know, he's the way he's conducted himself with this whole thing, I think he's been absolutely superb. And one
0: final thing I want to sort of mention on the current Chelsea at the moment, all this bollocks talk about Tuchel going to Manchester United, it's just a load of old tosh. I'm really sorry. It was it was it was first brought up by an idiot pundit who was never a good defender, who Didier Drogba had in his back pocket every time they played. He made a comment and someone decided, oh, he'll put it on Talk Sport. Oh, he'll put it on Twitter, and people have just lapped it up. And since then, people have just non-stop spoken about it. United came out yesterday, for those of you that are probably listening to this late. United Manchester United came out yesterday um, and pretty much had a foot, short list of four, and Tuchel was not on that list.
1: Well, well listen, I, I think he's quite loyal. I think he's a loyal boy. I think he's, you know, I, I, I listen, what that man... Has achieved in the short time he's been here is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think he's working with the third best squad in the country. Agreed. That, I that, agree
0: with
1: that. Right. And whatever we achieve, whatever we win, you know, there's always going to be, it's like our Champions League. Who are the two biggest rivals for Chelsea in the Champions League?
0: Liverpool and Man City. Liverpool, Man United,
1: uh, sorry, Man City. Who's the two biggest people in FA Cup?
0: Liverpool Man City. You
1: know, it, it's, we, this is where we're, we're at. We're a very, very good third. Please don't get any Chelsea fans. Yet. We're a good third. And with a little bit of titivation and a little bit of, um, you know, signing the right players, we will then take that step into that that position of one or two. But you know, we we're at the crossroads now. There's two ways this can go. We can either continue what we're doing, or you can get someone come in that's totally different and runs a club totally different to Roman, and that in itself caused problems. And it's a really important time for Chelsea Football Club. And the people that buy the club have got to be the right people. Because as we've seen in the in the past, you know, you've got this you know, Man United weren't doing too bad when the Americans brought them, did were they? You know, and since then they've they've hardly won a trophy. You know, it's um you know, look at Tottenham's problems, you know, you know, Joe Lewis, he's got huge amounts of money, but he won't with his chairman invest to get the right players to take Tottenham to that next level. And all they do is happy to just make a profit out of the club. You know, and they're and that, at that level where
0: want... they get battered everywhere they go.
1: Well, every other week
0: they <laughs> do at the moment, they get battered
1: every other week and win, you know, they're, they're going through a really um, inconsistent sort of uh, run at the moment. But, um, you know, uh, but that's what, you know, if you got, you know, I, He has built uh, work in uh, America, which is the most incredible golf course where Tiger Woods lives, where all the superstars live. It is absolutely incredible. And on that estate, there's probably a thousand houses. Um, when I say estate, it's, it's vast. It's incredible around the golf course. Um, and he's built Lake Nona which is another one where all the Poulters and everyone live. You know, um, and you'd have thought that was an ideal fit for Tottenham. But the fact is, he, he'd rather spend his money on a building project than actually invest it into Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. And that's enhanced by the fact that he's built that fantastic stadium. So we are really, no one's going to, no one will have the finance that Roman had to do what he did. And that's what we've got to get used to. No one. Sorry. It's like Putin. Can you imagine if Boris Johnson had a four four 430 million pound yacht or 370 million pound yacht? In Can you imagine the stick he'd get? Oh, Putin's got a 430 million pound yacht somewhere where, you know, protesters... Stops it from leaving the you know the dock, and you you look at that and you just think, crikey, the money that is floating around with the Russian syndicate, which is ill-gotten gains money, but the money that, that's that's floating around, we're never. I think the Chelsea fans have got to realise we're never ever going to have the finance that we had before.
0: We might not have the finances, but we're still going to be successful more than Tottenham and Arsenal. But Steve, we've discussed the current Chelsea for quite a bit. I want to touch on the main events of the show. Oh, It's taken me a, one or two days to actually think about how I'm going to start it and how we're going to approach it. But last Friday, for those that may not be aware, and if, and if you've been living under a rock, then where the hell have you been? Um, last Friday... I was very fortunate, very, very fortunate enough to attend the Peter Benetti Memorial Service that was held at Stamford Bridge in front of quite a lot of people, I, I was told afterwards, by ex-players, ex-teammates, Chelsea personnel and fans from of Chelsea throughout the decades. And Steve, I just want to sort of touch on obviously how it was on that day for both of us because... It was also uh, an interesting day because it was the first time we met properly for the first time. I wish it was under better circumstances, truthfully, but um, we met at the butcher's hook. Yes, we did. Which was uh, which was uh, an interesting pub, bearing in mind that it was it was busy, it was it was uh, jammed, and they only had one person serving. Yeah,
1: I know. <laughs> unbelievable. <Yeah.
0: laughs> but you know, to discuss stories about Peter Benetti and we'll, and we will touch on the great man in a minute, but you know, Steve just want to get your thoughts on sort of like the day and how, how you felt going into Friday, because I was a little bit sort of wary on it because again, I was born well after Peter, Peter Benetti played. So I didn't sort of see him in the flesh live, but I knew that he touched a lot of people's hearts with how he played. And, how he was as a human being. So, Steve, just sort of start off. How, how did you sort of see Friday going before you sort of turned up at the Butchers' home? Well,
1: all I knew was the people that were there were the people that respected a, a fantastic goalkeeper. who was absolutely outstanding. Um, but to me, as a young player, going through the Chelsea ranks, if you like, if I had a real problem, I'd go to him. Because he was the most caring, understanding, lovely human being you could ever wish to meet in your life. He was uh, the most incredible person. Um, and just normal. He was just a normal man. that, that for, And for me to play in front of Peter Nettie, was one of the biggest honours I've ever had in football. Because to me, the cat, he was... Um, and so many times I looked and thought, oh, that's him. And this hand would come out, and the spring that he could get, and this hand would come out and tip it over the bar, was just unbelievable. But we were up and down in those days because we were, we were young. And we were a bit like Leeds we were. If it, there was one club that I could sort of say we were like at that time. I mean, it was probably Leeds United when we went into the the first division, the Premier League as it is now. And do you know what? When you had a... We got beaten, or we didn't play that well, he was the one that would come round and say, boys, come on. We're all right. We'll get this right next week. We'll work hard this week. We'll get it right. Not one detrimental word Ever came out of that man's mouth, um, and he was. He, to me, it's one of the greatest honors I've ever had to play alongside him and be able to call him a friend. And that's.
0: Well, I'm just looking at his honors and his appearances, and it was. It's quite startling actually the amount of appearances he he made for Chelsea 729 appearances crossing many many seasons starting from 1959 all the way up to 1979 excuse me and the honours that he won you know the league cup in 65 the FA cup in 1970 the cup winners cup in 71 and then a few promotions sort of in there as well obviously one being quite poignant was un- was with yourself in 77 and the word legend is being banded around this this spot far far too easily but this this guy just oozed legend status at the club and uh, you know I know I know there's a statue of Peter Osgood and rightfully so I I just hope that whether it's next year or even in a few years time that there's at least something or at least a photo on the wall there's a photo on the wall of the shed which is is fantastic and i urge people if if you do if you have a season ticket or a match ticket at the shed get your pictures done with it because it is is a great picture it's a great memory of the cat as well but today itself on friday I was talking to a, a couple of Chelsea supporters, and then some of them were talking about the Champions League draw. Some of them was talking about the ownership, and I, I, I just sort of phased that out because I said, right, this is Peter Benetti's Memorial Day. I'm not bothered about who we're going to get in the European Cup. I'm not bothered about the owners. This is not about that. And the day itself was just magnificent. And I've I've said this to a number of people, Rodney George, who you know Steve was, you know, yeah. good, good friends with. I said that the Chelsea Football Club, no matter how much shit it's gone through over the last few weeks, they did Peter Benetti's family proud on Friday with the setup, up you know, having the Chelsea pensioners there as well, sort of walking out to Don't talk to
1: me don't talk about me like that, will you please keep that eye?
0: <laughs> Well, there was you and a few others, to be fair. I, I never I have to say that. Like that,
1: you know.
0: but <laughs> I mean Christ I'm I mean even Dorma, when you know when that song was played I mean that, that always gives me a lump in my throat of every time that's played but the actual memorial itself you you had you had a you had a good sort of seat in the house as well where you had the OX players sitting in the shed lower and there was lots of friends of uh, friends of the family as well you had oh. K Benetti sitting, sitting sort of on on the pitch with son. And, fun, uh, uh, fun. That's right, Sorry. and Carlo Cudicini and Petr Cech was there, which which I thought was a lovely touch. I, and and mo- don't forget, Dave Seaman was there as well. Yes, I, I know. Dave David Seaman was there as well, which was. Eddie which was yes. Yeah. yeah. It was fantastic to see sort of players from that perhaps didn't. I've got no Chelsea background that were there. And you know, to have yeah. David Seaman there I thought was a touch of class and That's people
1: passed by David. He was a he's a lovely bloke. Lovely bloke.
0: And it was yeah. good to see John Hollins there as well, albeit well, I know it was, it was he's not stuff. in great health at the moment, but he I yeah, thought it was um, great that he was there. Um, he was do you know what? That man
1: get in there without how ill he is. Says everything about the man. Yes. Everything about John Hollins. Hmm. On the football field, he used to run, so he couldn't run anymore. He was the most honest footballer you'd ever see. I worked for him at Chelsea um, and I felt sorry for him, so sorry for him, how he's treated, because he is another one, trust me when I say this, Keith, that is a Chelsea legend in terms of the way he performed for the football club. Um, and as you say, we use the word legend far too easily and far too um, all the time. Le- and I always take the piss out of myself because I say, no, you mean leg end. Because Johnny Holland, Pete Spinetti are true legends. And if you look, I thought, what what got me was the... Feedback. I was invited by Chelsea to watch the 1970 World Cup, uh, sorry FA Cup, at Wembley, and I came out that ground thinking, "Oh my God! If it wasn't for Beesbury, we still, we certainly wouldn't have the replay."
0: Oh, he, he pulled, pulled off some saves tremendous of saves, in, saves in in the first game. Saves.
1: Yes, um, and then he got so Leeds were quite cynical at that time, and I and I was watching the replay on the TV. And they mercilessly did Peter, Mick Jones, absolutely smash Peter. Mm. And he had a dead leg. And he still pulled save after save after save. He was an absolute... um, You know, and I... I, um, The sad thing for me about his whole career was, and I spoke to him about it many times, about the Germany game in the World Cup. Um, And the truth was he didn't play even in a warm-up game for two and a half months. He never played one warm-up game. And when Gordon Banks was taken ill that morning, the Peter hadn't had any match practice at all for two and a half months. And I honestly believe, yes, he made a boo-boo for the first goal, but we were still 2-1 up. But I, there was never any other goal in that game that was his fault. Well, I think that got a little bit out of context, really, in terms of the stick he got. But you know something? He dealt with it. He dealt with it because he was who he was. The word class is up there with Peace Venese. And sort of talking
0: about the the ceremony on Friday You're seeing sort of the images of him pulling off the saves and how he was as a as a man and there's there's no shame in it there was grown men in their 50s 60s crying their eyes out because yeah. of what Peter Benetti and Chelsea that team of the 70s meant to him and just sort of seeing it, I got a lump in my throat and I, I admitted it when I went back to the Butcher's Hook and even the Chelsea Pensioner afterwards. I, I had a tear in my eye. Yeah. Because you know, it, it, just, it just hit you. It just hit you because it was, it was real. And this is a guy who has put so much into the, you know, this football club and has helped out a lot of people that not many people, not many outsiders, for example, know about. And everybody who I've interviewed that knew Peter Benetti, and I'm talking about the likes of Alan Hudson, John Dempsey, Derek Smedhurst, for example, Ron Harris as well, nobody had a bad word to say about Peter Benetti. Not one word. And that is a testament to the man.
1: Put it this way. He will not only go to heaven, but he will be an angel. That's the way I look at it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was lovely as well to hear, you know, Chelsea fans from a certain era talking about what they've, what they've sort of got as stories, you know, when they were kids and they saw the, the you know, the cat pulling off save after saving the shed. And for me being in my thirties, it was, it, and I, I love sort of Chelsea's history. It was fascinating for me, and mm-hmm. you know with the stories that you've obviously told me both on the podcast and off the podcast. Yeah, the day was just perfect. The the, the weather was magnificent, and everybody played a, a great part. And yeah, I, I just I just felt that it was a good thing to talk about on this show, Steve. To, to talk about you know the catters. A Chelsea legends, you know. People talk about you know the, the people that have won Premier League titles and Champions Leagues and scoring over a hundred goals. But my God, this 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 guy's up there with the best of them.
1: I think also, I think also, Keith. You know, everyone talks about Clements and Shilton, Um and how they played different games. And if they if they hadn't have played, um, if they'd have been on their own, they'd have played. 50 caps more and don't get me wrong they were two great goalkeepers two great goalkeepers but in my opinion Peter had to deal with the greatest goalkeeper that's ever walked on this earth Hmm. Gordon Banks and I think had Gordon Banks not been around I think Peter would have had well he'd have just been the number one choice he'd have been he would have been he'd have had a hundred caps. And yeah. there was a lot of people at the time that asked the question, Pete Spinetti or Gordon Banks. And, you know, it's... Those, you know, Peter was... I say to some the people sometimes is that You know, I get, you you get the people that speak to you and say, oh God, I could have done what you did, but I hurt my knee in 19, you know, I did my cruciate ligament and I I never, you get these people in a pub sometimes that say that. But the one thing that Peter did, which I thought was fantastic, he worked his socks off. From the time that I first met Peter, to the time he retired, he worked his socks off. And not only did he work his socks off, he helped the likes of John Phillips. He was one of those people that John Phillips could feed off as being his number two. you know. And that in itself is a tragedy because that is an also a lovely human being, John Phillips. And we've lost him as well. And that must never be forgotten. Um, but the two of them bounced off each other. And there was just respect. And all great players get respect.
0: But and it that... was love. No, I was just going to say, Steve, it was lovely that there was a number of Chelsea fans that were chanting Peter Benetti's name on Friday. Oh. And from what I was told uh, after the fact, that touched Peter Benetti's family because a lot of them have never heard, you know, Peter Benetti's name being chanted like that at a football ground. And albeit, but, There was no yeah, game there, but... but
1: but didn't his family epitomise what Peter was all about?
0: The oh, way right, they, they uh, were superb, the yes. way they,
1: The way they conduct themselves and the way that his son, you know, absolutely lovely, lovely people. And that didn't surprise me because Peter would have, That's just fits in with Peter. A family man. No frills. No going to nightclubs. And going at his family was his number one thing, um, and that just epitomised. They, they, they just. I spoke to his son for Simon for quite a while about his dad, um, and you could see how proud he was. And that is, to me, is just if we do our thing on this earth, and our kids have respect and pride for you, that's all you can do. And there was no more than what Simon showed the way oh it just it was just emotional it was just,
0: yeah.
1: it was lovely it was it was what Peter deserved,
0: yeah, and there was good eulogies done by Clive Mantle, who was a s- s- supporter in that yeah. era of supporting Peter Benetti I thought he he, he his words were superb, you know how yeah. how he described what obviously Chelsea and Peter meant to him, and you had Pat Nevin as well sort of yeah. With his faults, and yeah, it was just something so, that I won't forget in a hurry. You know, just everybody just had just saying what they felt. And do you know about, what? Uh,
1: do you know what epitomizes? i got to say this to all you Chelsea fans, right? Do you know what epitomizes Pete's Manette is that Charlie Cook, yes. Came all the way from America. Yes. To pay tribute to his mate. To me, that says everything. Yes. Everything. Because Cookie, he didn't come to under the the Eddie McCready thing. He's not come back to this country for a long, long time. But he came back for Peter's memorial service, which Mm -hmm. to me says everything. And what a great person he was as well
0: yes i've heard I've heard a lot of good stories about Charlie Cook and what Most a...
1: understated, understated genius you'll ever mm. ever know and all these guys is you know obviously you had your flamboyant you know of that 1970 side there was your flamboyant. he was a bit of a superstar, but you had a grounded you had a lot of grounded unbelievable professional footballers. Yeah, and and, um, and these boys were just unbelievable. They were, they, they were my heroes.
0: Yeah, and to, to hear the brass band play "Blue Is the Colour which right. is, is still played to this day, it's, it's a it's great tune. It always always and- reminds always reminds me of the interviews I did last year with with the players of that of that time and you know, seeing the cat ashes go down by the shed. Yeah. It was a very it emotional is, moment. It was
1: very emotional.
0: Very it's emotional very, moment. Very emotional. But St- Steve, I listen, we, we could talk about the cat. We could talk about the great 70 sides and we, we could talk all, all day about it. But I think it's best that we sort of, put a bow on it and just yeah. wrap it up because uh, either I'm going to get, either I'm going to get emotional or you're going to get emotional and I, and I don't want to cry on the podcast. That's, that's just not, that's just not what we're about. Yeah.
1: That's not Chelsea. Is it?
0: No, no, listen, I, you know, for those that wasn't, for those that wasn't there, but, you know, would like to sort of see videos and pictures. They are up on the blue day podcast, Facebook page, but also if you're on Facebook, find two individuals who have got fantastic photos of the day of, you know, some legends. And I do mean legends that appeared for the memorial, Ian Swash and Rodney George, find them on Facebook, have a look at their photos of, of the day. It was fantastic. And, you know, listen, listen, We've got some good things coming up on the, on, on the podcast as well. But as, as me and sort of Steve agreed at the start of the year, we are going to do a lot more of these tributes and remembering some, some fantastic names that have played for, for Chelsea Football Club, the great Chelsea Football Club. Uh, Steve, before I wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to say?
1: No, I just think all I'm saying is that this is a testing time for everyone involved with Chelsea. We've got to keep our cool. We've got to honestly support our club and we'll be fine. We'll come out the other end and we'll be fine.
0: I couldn't put it better myself, but we hope that you've enjoyed this special episode of the Blue Day podcast. We, we will be back next week and we also we will be announcing very shortly our next ex-player interview which will be out next week as well but from everyone at the blue day podcast stay safe and carefree Podcast Network.